Today we're looking at the book of Ephesians and we are in chapter 1 and we're looking at the work of the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit today. <clears throat> in Ephesians we have a presentation of the God, the three uh, God which is three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And today we focus upon the uh, Holy Spirit. And to do so, we want to begin reading verses 12 through 14. Verses 12 through 14. <clears throat> um, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. To divide up this portion of the book of Ephesians, we look for the words to the praise of his glory. And uh, he, when he uses that phrase, he's completed the first section about God the Father. To the praise of his glory, he's finished the section about God the Son. And then to the praise of his glory a third time, speaking of the role of the Holy Spirit. And today I want us to focus upon the role of the Holy Spirit today. How is the Holy Spirit operative in your life and mine today? Well, first and foremost, we must remember that the Holy Spirit is person. The Holy Spirit is person. When Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit, he said he uses the personal pronoun he. He will guide you into all truth. He will convict you, etc., etc. He will be your counselor. He will be your paraclete, one who walks along beside you. And on and on, Jesus speaks of the Holy Spirit as being person. We were created in the image of God, and bearing the image of God, we are person. Now, an alligator in Louisiana is not a person. Uh, a, um, a fish is not a person. We have personhood. God has, is person. And when God created us in his image, the part that we are like God is that we are person. And person sets us apart. Now, you've often heard the Holy Spirit being referred to in, a, in the wrong manner as an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is person. And that's why Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit as he. Uh, when I grew up, uh, we had an um, uh, interesting uh, radio program every Sunday morning. And uh, the Baptist would come on first and preach and sing. And then after the Baptist would preach and sing, the Pentecostals would come on for half an hour. And they would preach against everything that the Baptist stood for. And so there was this constant battle going on on the, on the airwaves about the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Pentecostals majored in Acts chapter 2 at the coming of the Holy Spirit and the speaking in tongues. And they would talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost. And if you've not been filled with the Holy Ghost, come down here and get it. Well, the Holy Ghost is not an it to be gotten. Uh, the Holy Ghost is a person to be experienced. He is the manifestation of God to you and me through God's Holy Spirit. Jesus told us we are better off having the Holy Spirit in our life than if he were here in person himself. Uh, we often wonder what would Jesus be saying and teaching to us had, he, had we been there to listen to him and to understand about the teachings of the kingdom of God. 
But now that he is ascended into heaven, everything Jesus would have us to understand about God the Father has been given to us in the Holy Spirit. And so we each possess this person of the Holy Spirit in our life as we, as we live out every day, one day at a time. So it's not like we have to have Jesus next to us discipling us. Jesus is living in us through the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit today. And that's what I want to speak about in the message today. So if you hear somebody referring to the Holy Spirit as an it, uh, you might register in your own mind. Don't start an argument, please. We've had enough of that. Um, but p please assert in your own mind the understanding that the Holy Spirit is person. And He is the person of God revealing Himself to you and to me. And we are able to have fellowship with God. One of the activities of the Holy Spirit in our life today is to intercede for you and for me. It is the Spirit of God that has inspired the Word of God that now speaks to the people of God. And as we pray, we, are, we intercede, we are, uh, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us as we speak to God the Father. It is the Holy Spirit that understands what's going on in our world. He understands what we're experiencing right now. He understands any questions that we have. He understands any doubts that, that we may have. That's why you really can't hide anything from God because it is the Holy Spirit of God that is speaking into our heart, bringing to us an awareness of our need for Him. And so as the Holy Spirit communes with the Father, it is the Holy Spirit that is interceding on our behalf and bringing to the Lord even words that we cannot explain, a language that we cannot understand, uh, the groanings uh, that we have in our soul. Uh, if it were possible to label every phrase and expression that we have, uh, I, I think there would not be a dictionary to hold every word that expresses our feelings. But the Holy Spirit does understand. And He does intercede on our behalf to the Father. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit now in your life and mine is to be that continuous intercession with God the Father about what our needs are. Um, we think we know what we need, we think we understand what we need, but we really don't. And the Holy Spirit is able to get to the heart of the matter and, uh, and interpret those things uh, to the Father on our behalf. That's why we have to trust the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And as we trust the Holy Spirit's work, we become sensitive to certain things that are going on around us. One of the things we become more sensitive about is sin. One of the works of the Holy Spirit is to convict of sin. In fact, the first work of the Holy Spirit in the unbeliever's life is to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. All of these have to do with the revelation of God and His holiness with us. And once we recognize that we are not holy, but God is, once we understand that we are not righteous, but God is, then we understand that we need Him. And we need His righteousness in our life to purify us and to sanctify us and to set us apart for the work that he has called us to do and so one of the great works of the holy spirit is to make you sensitive to sin if you've been a christian very long you will find yourself more sensitive to sin than before you became a, a believer before you became a, a, a believer sin was not registering on your brain but because you became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the work of the Holy Spirit now that sensitizes you 
about sin that is all around you. Why? Because God desires that we live a holy life. Our happiness is not the result of getting what we want. Our happiness is not due to reaching uh, goals that we have. These are all short-term worldly things. Our happiness really lies in the fact that we are holy before the Lord. God has not called us to be happy. God has called us to be holy. He's called us to be His and to grow in sanctification and understanding of our relationship to Holy God. And as we grow in that fellowship and that relationship with Holy God, we are growing in sanctification. We are more sensitive about sin, and we don't want to commit sin anymore because it grieves the person of the Holy Spirit that is living within you and within me. Yes, it is possible to grieve the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it saddens God's presence in us. And it creates a groaning in our heart. And there is a separation in our soul. And there's something in us that wants to reconcile with God. There's something in us that desires to be right with Holy God. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. To make us aware of sin. To call us to want to repent. To call us to want to be in harmony again with God's purposes and God's calling in our life. And so the sweet work of the great Holy Spirit in us is not to just fill us with joy and happiness, to make us, but rather to make us sensitive to sin so that we will desire holiness, we will desire righteousness, and we will desire to live in the precious presence of a holy God. So one of the works of the Holy Spirit in us is to make us more aware of sin as we live this life of sanctification. Sanctification is really a word about growing up in Christ. That's really what that word means. In fact, if you study the book of Ephesians, there is this phrase that is researched by many scholars called in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Paul uses that over 20 times in his writing about the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And we are in Christ through the fellowship and the dwelling of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, Do you not know? Do you not understand that it is the Spirit of God that dwells in you? God's Spirit dwells in your body. So God goes with you wherever you go. God understands what you're going through. God uh, uh, enjoys that uh, sweet relationship with you and me to bring peace and comfort to our life. And that's another work of the Holy Spirit. Maybe a number two if you're writing these down. And that is the Holy Spirit brings us comfort. The Holy Spirit brings us comfort. God's word to his people in Isaiah chapter 40 was to say, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith the Lord. God calls out to us and desires that we have a peace and a comfort that the world cannot give. Jesus said the world is going to bring to you trials. The world is going to bring to you um, a disturbance. The world is going to bring to you anxiety. But fear not, I have overcome the world. And it's that victory that Christ has over this world through His resurrection power that brings the Holy Spirit to bear in our life. So we give praise to God that as we walk in the presence and power of God's Holy Spirit, we walk in His comfort. We walk in His comfort. In fact, there's nothing we will experience that God has not already dealt with through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus in His humanity experienced everything that we experience. Jesus in His humanity dealt with everything that we deal with. 
except without sin. He committed no sin. And he understands when we have lost. He understands when we have a beloved that we have lost. And he understands the the grief and the sorrow that that brings. And Jesus speaks to us through the presence of the sweet Holy Spirit of God and says to us, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will always be with you. I will always speak to you. And I will never leave you alone. Those beautiful words of comfort come to us through the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit of God in our life. So number one, he makes us sensitive to sin because he wants us to live a happy life, a holy life. He wants us to live a life of productivity. You know, when God created this world, he created a moral universe. It is a moral world. That's why God gave us the Ten Commandments. When God spoke to Moses and revealed himself to Moses, he gave Moses those Ten Commandments. It's a moral world. And God has said, if you will obey me and trust my word, if you will follow my commandments, I will bless you. You will live a life of beauty, a life of goodness, a life of harvest, a life of plenty. But we've chosen to go our own way. And and we've chosen to rebel against God. And because we've chosen to rebel against God, we find ourselves needy. We find ourselves uh, ending up without the strength that we need. We find ourselves alone and lonely, and yet the Holy Spirit's calling us back to Himself to bring us comfort in His presence and in His power in our life. I wonder today, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and does He walk in your heart? Do you have that fellowship with Him that, uh, it, that endures through all the troubles of life? If not, let me encourage you to start some spiritual disciplines that's going to make a huge difference in your sanctification or in your walk with the Lord. Number one, begin every day with prayer. When you set your feet on the floor, you know, you're ready to get out of bed and face the day. As soon as your feet hit that floor, speak a prayer. Start that conversation with God. Let it continue throughout the day. The Bible says to pray always. To pray always doesn't mean to close your eyes all the time, but to keep walking in fellowship with the Lord. And this constant prayer exercise that you do all day long will bring you into closer fellowship with the Lord. Some of you have an app on your iPhone that, that reads a scripture to you every day, brings a scripture to you every day. Uh, anybody here have, a, have an app like that on your phone? Yeah, yeah, you do. Well, use that. Let that be another spiritual discipline that you use every day. Let the Word of God richly dwell within you. There is something called the washing of the water of the Word of God. And uh, it is the cleansing power of the Word of God that we read, that we receive. Uh, You know, um, uh, garbage in, garbage out is the way to talk about computers. Whatever you bring into your life, that's what's going to come out of your life. And if you're bringing in holiness, if you're bringing in beauty, if you're bringing in goodness, if you're bringing in godliness, if you're bringing in righteousness, if these are the, are the kind of scriptures and words that are making up your day, you're going to find that you'll be emptying those throughout the day. When you bump into somebody, instead of responding in anger, you'll respond with the word of God. And so it is the word of God that is uh, growing in our life through the Holy Spirit as he purifies us with the washing of the water of the word. 
So daily prayer, daily Bible reading, and fellowship with God's people. And when you are in a Bible study group, when you're in a worship service, when you're with God's people, you'll find yourself strengthened because we share in common, we share in common the life that we are living now. Another great work of the Holy Spirit in our life is for spiritual warfare. You and I face spiritual warfare every day. And uh, when the Bible speaks in Ephesians about spiritual warfare, he speaks in chapter 6 very explicitly about the uniform of this garrison or this spiritual warfare that we carry on. And this spiritual warfare is a daily battle. It's like it never ends. Satan's doing everything he can to discourage you. He's trying to get deacons to quit. He's trying to get pastors to quit. He's trying to get Sunday school teachers to quit. He's trying to get people to to be defeated by the problems and the stresses that come our way because we are a family, we act like family, and uh, we work together in order to advance the kingdom of God, but we have strife and trouble to get through, and when we are faithful, we mature through this and we become bolder in Christ. But Satan is trying everything he can to make you quit. The Bible says the thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. But he said, I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. When he speaks about this, this um, battle dress of the soldier that's fighting a spiritual battle, he talks about the helmet of salvation. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about the gospel of our feet being shod with the gospel. And he speaks also about the sword of the Spirit. The only offensive weapon in spiritual battles is the sword of the Spirit. It is the Word of God. And when you've been taking in the Word of God, you'll be able to give out the Word of God. If you've been receiving God's Word, you'll be able to utilize God's Word in fighting the enemy in spiritual battles. One of the oldest weapons that Satan will will use is the fiery darts of the evil one. That's how Paul puts it. That's the phrase that he uses. When he talks about the fiery darts of the evil one, he's going to an archaic period of time where people fought each other using bows and arrows. Now that's a long time ago when people fought each other using bows and arrows. I remember my brother and I used to fight each other with bows and arrows just to see how far we could chase chase each other down through the field. Uh, One time I shot him with a BB gun, knocked his tooth out right here. I thought that was a pretty good shot. My daddy got home, he broke that BB gun up, and I've never seen it since. But um, we just kind of stayed in trouble where I grew up all the time. Satan was trying to get us to fight each other. And now, as we've gotten older, we love each other, we miss each other, we want to be together all the time. And uh, and we have this uh, desire to be together because we have so many good memories, and we treasure each other. So it is in the family of God. And one of the oldest weapons Satan's going to use is the fiery darts of the evil one. He's also going to use something called a lure. Uh, When the book of James talks about the temptations of Satan, he uses the idea of a lure, like a uh, fishing bait. And uh, Satan will use that to hook you and me into doing what's wrong, to do things that are not pleasing in his sight, and to be hooked on the temptations that come our way. And folks, it's the Holy Spirit of God that says, watch out. 
Watch out. Be careful. You're being tempted. You're being tested. Uh, you, you need to be careful about what you're getting into. Actually, the Holy Spirit actually gives us a heads up of the, of the uh, bumps that are in the road, a heads up against the schemes of the devil that we're trying to fight. And because he's on our side, he loves you. You're a child of God. You belong to him. And he's going to see to it that you're going to live forever in God's holy heaven. And because you're going to live forever in God's holy heaven, he's got a plan for your life. He's got a purpose for your life here and now. And he doesn't want you to quit. He wants you to keep serving. He wants you to be faithful. He wants you to be, of all things, a finisher. And that's the, one of the many, many good works of the Holy Spirit. He keeps us serving until the very end. God desires that we be a strong finisher in His kingdom and in His work. And so here I am serving again in a church because I want to finish well. I want to be like my son Dan who wrote in his uh, um, uh, journal, the very last entrance that he had in his journal, he wrote in it the day that he passed away. And he said, I want to be a servant of the Creator God that had made me, he said, may my sole motivation today, may my sole motivation today, my, my only motivation today alone be to serve you, the true and the living God. And folks, that's how I'm going to live out my life. And I'm not going to quit. And I'm going to keep serving him and uh, keep uh, uh, on the road of, of growth because the Holy Spirit's going to make it happen. And I'm not fighting this fight all by myself. I'm uh, serving God with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the equipping of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit surrounding us like a hedgerow of protection from the fiery darts of the evil one, and we are going to finish as winners. We're not going to finish as losers. We're going to finish as winners because we are the people of God. We are the people of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we give thanks unto God. Maybe there's someone here today who would like to give your life to Christ. Maybe you've been thinking about uh, your relationship with the Lord and, and it's, it's come that time in your life where you need to make a decision. You know what you need to do. I tell people so often, when, you know, people ask, when is the time to accept Christ as my Savior and my Lord? When is the time for me to make that public profession of faith? Well, number one, the time to do it is when you know you need to. The time to make that decision is when you know that you need to. And when you know you need to, that's the time to decide. It's really up to you. Don't wait on a feeling. Uh, don't, don't wait on um, some kind of uh, something happening to you. Uh, take the initiative. Because God's always got that door open until Jesus returns. God's always got that door open saying, Won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you be saved? Won't you give your life to the Lord? I invite you to stand with me as we close in prayer today. We're going to sing a hymn in just a moment. And if you're here and you want to give your life to the Lord, we want you to come as we sing this hymn together. I'll be standing down front, and this is your opportunity today to give your life to the Lord. Don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow may never come. You may never have that opportunity. Uh, a lot of things happen on the road between here and home, and, um, but God is wanting you to come. He's wanting you to be saved. He's wanting you to be a child of God. And I'm giving you this opportunity right now to come. Father, we thank you that you give to us your Holy Spirit that we might have a harmonious relationship with you, that we might be more aware of sin, 
that we might desire more of your holiness and your goodness in our life, that we might receive comfort, that we might receive grace to help in a time of need, and that we might fight victoriously uh, this battle against evil and not give up and not quit, but to be faithful servants of yours. We pray all this in the blessed and lovely name of Jesus. May that person who needs to come today to be saved and give their life to the Lord, may they come right now while we sing this hymn. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.